The following podcast is a glimpse into the life of Ecclesia Houston. We pray it is a blessing as you seek to follow Jesus, the liberating King, and live in his kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. Ecclesia, this is Pastor Chris, and it's with great joy and actually a ton of enthusiasm that I get to share with you today. I'm directly on the border of Colombia and Venezuela. Uh, we're sharing time today with our friends that are indigenous peoples from Venezuela. Uh, they're living in what I can only call impossible conditions here. And I'm really grateful that our friends from Living Water International have come to join us. We're uh, assessing some of the needs for clean water. Uh, they're gathering water from uh, not a safe source and they're bringing it to their family and their kids. Uh, in ways that aren't promoting health and hygiene and sanitation. And we wanna look at how we can help with sanitation needs, bathrooms, the basics that are really needed here. I'm gonna tell you a lot more about these people. They're beautiful people and they're in need. And we're a church that's about to enter into Lent. So Ecclesia, my job today is to invite you into a holy and a sacred fast. Now, some of you may wonder, is fasting really something I need to do? Well, let me do my best to make the case to you, but I believe um, that if we will join in this fast together, a Lenten fast, that it will not only transform our hearts and lives, our inner, uh, our inner life, our spiritual life, it'll also be a part of transforming our bodies, our community, and what I'm gonna propose to you today, I think will be a part of changing the world. You're gonna notice that where I am uh, in this spot, you're gonna hear a lot of noise. There's birds, there's roosters. There's literally the largest pig I've ever seen in my life. There are a lot of babies crying, which does feel like ecclesia. I can appreciate that a lot. Uh, you're gonna hear a lot of noise. It's a, a bit chaotic here at the border, but it's also beautiful because the people are beautiful. So ecclesia, why would we fast? Well, for one, Jesus did. So if Jesus, while he was here on earth, he was fully God, fully man, he thought it was an important spiritual practice to fast. In fact, it was the first thing he did in his public ministry. He was baptized by John the Baptist, and then he went from the Jordan River, he walked to, uh, traditionally we know it as a mountain called Quarantana, 40, it means 40, and it's the place where Jesus spent 40 days and he fasted, and he was alone with God. Scriptures also tell us in that period, he was tempted. Why else would we fast? Well, Jesus also assumed that we would fast. In the Sermon on the Mount, he says just as clearly and just as succinctly as you possibly can, he says, when you fast and pray, not if you fast and pray, but when you do. He just knew that we would fast and we would pray. And the truth is, if we have a weakness uh, in our spiritual life as Christians, I would suggest to you that one of the most significant is that we often fail to fast. And Part of it is because we live in Western culture where we tend to get what we want. Uh, I remember growing up, I didn't know much about fasting from my church. The person I learned about fasting from, it felt like, uh, was my favorite basketball player. I, like you, I hope, uh, I am and was a Houston Rockets fan. I loved watching us win a couple of championships. And it was amazing in those runs to watch possibly the greatest player of all times. I know Mark, Michael Jordan, blah, 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 LeBron, blah, blah, blah. I can only tell you that I watched Hakeem Olajuwon do things that I'd never seen anybody do. And that he often did them in the midst of Ramadan. He was fasting. He didn't have food or water throughout the day. That's, that's a more typical Muslim fast. I wanna invite you today into a Lenten fast. And I believe it's a beautiful, 
way to fast. So Ecclesia, we also enter into a fast because it's our way to join with the children of Israel in the Exodus narrative. And I believe, Ecclesia, that our journey during Lent is to join with God's people, is to be a part of the Exodus narrative. What, what was beautiful about the Exodus narrative? Well, it's, it's God's way, it's his metaphor, his story of rescuing his people. And we're a people in need of rescue. And in Lent, we enter into that story much like the children of Israel. We don't have to spend 40 years in the desert, thanks be to God. It's a beautiful baby behind me. We don't have to spend 40 years in the desert. But much like the children of Israel, we're invited into God's narrative to say, you're not created to make bricks for Pharaoh. You, you exist for a reason, and the reason that you're here is much more significant than just making bricks. And together, we get to find our true spiritual purpose. So what does the Bible say about a fast? When I read to you from Isaiah, I'm gonna be in uh, the prophet Isaiah's words and teaching in Isaiah 58. And God's people were talking, they were engaging the eternal one, and this is what they said. They said, why? Why didn't you notice how diligently we fasted before you? We humbled ourselves with pious practices and you paid no attention. God's people thought, if we sacrifice, you're gonna notice and you're gonna bless us. And it's beautiful in Isaiah because God gives us a clear explanation of what a fast that's pleasing to him would look like. So hear this, Ecclesia. God says this, he says, I have to tell you on those fasting days, all you were really seeking was your own pleasure. Now, most of us would think, how is fasting a way to seek pleasure? But he explains, he says, besides you were busy defrauding people and abusing your workers. Your kind of fasting, God says, is pointless. For it only leads to bitter quarrels, contentious backbiting, and vicious fighting. Literally, God saying, you just got hangry, right? You fasted and yeah, you did the thing, but not, something didn't happen in your heart. So what would it look like for us? God says this, he says, what kind of fast do I choose? Is a true fast simply some religious exercise for making a person feel miserable and woeful? The answer is no. Is it about how you bow your head like a bent reed or you dress or where you sit? Is this what you call a fast? The eternal one finds good and proper? And God says, no. What I want is this. And I want you to consider the possibility that our Lenten fast could be exactly this. To liberate those tied down and held back by injustice. To lighten the load of those heavily burdened. I gotta tell you, Ecclesia, I've never seen people more heavily burdened than the Venezuelans that I've watched carrying loads of things back into Venezuela. Literally, on this last trip, I, I saw a guy carrying an entire washing machine on his head. He, every five steps, it looks like he was gonna fall. These are our friends, our brothers, our sisters, our family, and they're heavily burdened. Then he says, to free the oppressed and to shatter every type of oppression. God says, a fast for me involves sharing your food with people who have none. Ecclesia, what if we fasted from some things and we shared abundantly with people that are hungry in this place, giving clothes to those who need them? Literally, our brothers and sisters, we got kids running around this place. When I ask them, what do you need? They just say, we, just, we want some clothes. And we're talking about friends and neighbors that don't have clothes. Giving those who are homeless a space in your home. 
Then, oh then, God says, light will break out like the warm golden rays of a rising sun and in an instant you will be healed. Can you imagine this? That your healing, I believe both physically and spiritually could come by abstaining from some things. Your righteousness will proceed and protect you. The glory of the eternal will follow and defend you. Then when you call out, my God, where are you? The eternal one will answer, I am here, I am here. If you remove the yoke of oppression from the downtrodden among you, stop accusing others and do away with mean and inflammatory speech. Do you hear that? What if the words that we spoke in this season were just kind words? We live in a culture that's filled with wanting to tear people down. What if we're the people that in this season we abstain from some things and every word we speak is intended only to build people up? He says, if you make sure that the hungry and the oppressed have all that they need, then your light will shine in the darkness. And even your bleakest moments will be as bright as clear day. The eternal one will never leave you. He will lead you in the way that you should go. And when you feel dried up and worthless, God will nourish you and give you strength. And you will grow like a garden lovingly tended. You will be like a spring whose water never runs out. You know, it's Jesus that uses that metaphor again later in the Gospels. It says, there would be a living water that would flow eternally. Ecclesia, I love the opportunity that we have to join together in a beautiful and a sacred fast that could both transform each of us, our hearts, our bodies, right? Because as we eat less, as we focus on what we might limit or restrict ourselves from, I believe we're gonna be healthier. And that's not a bad thing. This is not a, a diet, it's not Weight Watchers or Jenny Craig, but it is an opportunity to say, hey, for me, I, I don't need to live my life in a constant state of feasting. And that's exactly what I wanna to talk to you about today. I wanna to share with you one of my favorite pieces of art that relates to Lent. This is a piece by Bruegel. Can you imagine this piece was created, was painted, in 1558, and yet to me, it's a documentary that tells a story that in this very moment uh, speaks to where I am. Uh, what you'll see in this piece that Bruegel made in 1558 is that it's two competing narratives. Uh, it's literally a fight or a joust uh, between Carnival or Mardi Gras, right? The celebration that precedes Lent because people in, in the 1500s they knew if we're gonna fast for a little while, we ought to get ready and party for a little while. So I, I love you, New Orleans. You're one of my favorite cities on the planet. Uh, but the truth is you go to New Orleans, it's a lot of Mardi Gras and it's not much Lent, right? So everybody's ready for Fat Tuesday, and, uh, but not many people are celebrating Lent and fasting. I, I love this piece because it holds the tension. What you see uh, right in the middle, you'll notice uh, the epitome of Fat Tuesday, right? There's a guy on a barrel, he's on a sled. That sled would have been like the sled they would use in the, uh, what would be like an ancient Mardi Gras parade. He's on a barrel, obviously filled with some kind of whiskey or something, somebody's drinking out of it. And he's holding on his, uh, uh, on his head, he's got a pork pie, he's got uh, a pig on a stick. Uh, he's got meat basically all over him, right? And you'll notice on the Lenten side, there's a lot of fish which would be much more common during Lent. This is the thing, Ecclesia, one of the reasons I love this piece is we're made for both. You're made for Fat Tuesday. We're made, I'm telling you, we are made for Easter Sunday. Easter Sunday ought to be a feast of all feasts. And you know what, during Lent, 
every Sunday is a feast. This is what I love about a Christian fast. It's not Ramadan. It's not a chance to abuse your body or to appear to be pious. It's an opportunity to enter into a rhythm, a sacred rhythm, where for six days, for 40 days total, but more, no more than six days at a time, we abstain from certain things. I'm gonna suggest a certain fast to you that I'm hoping we'll all join in together. And every Sunday is a taste of the resurrection. Every Sunday we feast. I don't know if you grew up doing this, but we grew up going to my grandmother's and having pot roast, and I didn't realize that we just intuitively knew Sunday was a day that family ought to be together and we ought to feast, and it was a beautiful rhythm. And for 40 days we will fast, and for six days during Lent we will feast, and we'll end with the greatest feast of all, the highest holy day in the Christian calendar, Easter. So Ecclesia, how might we fast together during Lent? This is what I'd like to suggest to you, is that if we would join together and eat during our fasting days a very similar meal to what we serve in the kitchen of La Frontera Iglesia, the church that we partner with, our partner here at the border in Cucuta, Colombia, at the border with Venezuela. Um, we open that kitchen and we get to feed hungry Venezuelans. And the typical meal here uh, would be really simple. It would be something like uh, rice and beans and chicken and salad and tortillas. You could come up with any four or five things, but I'm wondering if together we could enter into uh, a pattern to eat during Lent as often the poor would eat. Um, now, you can imagine, you can go to Papacitos and you can get a salad, you can get a salad with chicken. You can go and get rice and beans and if you got tortillas on there, you can get tacos just about any place. It's, it's not that you won't be able to eat, it's just that we'll enter into a practice uh, that for me at least is really healthy because what I tend to do is I tend to wake up and uh, focus on my appetites or my desires. Um, most of us, we, we're not the richest people in the world, uh, all of us, but most of us have enough resources to be able to eat what we want when we want. We can wake up one day and decide, right? I, I'm really, I'm thinking I want tacos. I'm thinking today uh, I want dim sum. I'm thinking today uh, I'd like to go to a Brazilian steakhouse. Those are more expensive. You can't do that every day, but there's, we got options. So I can see it's our opportunity to wake up each morning and instantly begin to think of those who are struggling, those who are oppressed, to join with what God called us to in Isaiah 58, to lift the heavy burdens off of those who are carrying more than they can carry. I literally, I can point you directly to our friends and neighbors, our brothers and sisters here that are carrying too much. We get to free uh, the oppressed. We get to be a part of feeding the hungry. We get to bring clothes to those in need. And I believe, there's these 40 days, if we would wake up and instantly join in prayer. I've written a book called A Place at the Table, and it's simply an invitation to solidarity with the poor in this Lenten season. And what we wanna do is get up, and I've got devotionals written for you for each day. We wanna make the book a gift to you. You can make a donation for the book, but we're simply gonna put it towards the work that we get to do to feed people, clothe people, bring clean water in this place at the border of Venezuela and Colombia. We have opportunities both on this side in Colombia, as we operate our kitchen where you can eat simply as our brothers and sisters here have the opportunity to eat.
We're going to join with partners and friends like our friend, Pastor William. Pastor William Ramos is a pastor in Caracas, Venezuela. He's become a good friend over recent days. Uh, we've shared uh, time together. I'm going to tell you about a lot of Venezuelan pastors that are new friends. And part of what I learned from Pastor William is that his church is a lot like the church I started uh, out in the country. I was a pastor of a very small church in the country. And we quickly learned that if we had a potluck, everybody came to church. Now, those people weren't just hungry, they were craving fellowship. But in Caracas, what Pastor William tells me is that when he's out on the streets, he has the same experience I have as a pastor. He often has kids come up in the church, uh, some that he knows well, some that he doesn't know very well, but they instantly, he's their pastor. They love him, they come up and give him a hug. And he says, you know what they ask me as soon as I give me a hug? They say, are we eating at church this Sunday? They wanna know, they, they eat once a month. Ecclesia, we're gonna join with them. And literally, for a dollar a person, we can feed his church. It's about 300 people. $300 a week, we can feed everybody at his church. And our suggestion to, to Pastor William is to say, it'd be great if you could tell the kids, we're now eating every Sunday. We're gonna feed kids, we're gonna feed their families every Sunday. Ecclesia, this is our opportunity to get up in the morning, read a devotional from the book. I wanna invite you to join with a prayer list. If you'll send an email to Lent, at ecclesiahouston.org. We're gonna send you some prayer updates, some brothers and sisters currently in need that you can pray for. Many of them are gonna be friends and brothers and sisters and neighbors that we're gonna have the opportunity to bless because what we're going to do, I'm praying together is, I don't know about you, but during Lent, I'm gonna abstain from wine and uh, I started to say coffee, but I'm not. I'm gonna keep drinking coffee because I need to keep my sanity. So do whatever you wanna do. I'm gonna abstain from wine and I'm gonna abstain from most of the restaurants I would go to because I'm gonna be focused on eating these very simple meals. And you know what's gonna happen? I'm gonna save some money. And as I save that money, I'm gonna gather those resources and together we're gonna to share them through Ecclesia to be a blessing to those in need here. I don't know how much we'll raise from uh, you not going to eat dim sum or me not going to eat sushi. That's gonna hurt a little bit. But you know what, every Sunday I'm gonna feast and I'm probably gonna wanna eat sushi or I'm gonna, I'm, I'm gonna have some things I'm excited to eat. And, and on Sundays, I wanna encourage you to do this. Please, pause your fast, join in the feast because Christians were made to both fast and feast. That's the people we are. And then I'm gonna be telling you more about as we gather those offerings, we're gonna be helping churches in Venezuela celebrate Easter with a grand feast. Now you know in Venezuela, when you can't get access to meat, fish or basic necessities, um, it's hard to throw a great party. And so what we wanna do is come around our brothers and sisters and help them have a great Easter. As we join in this Lenten journey, God's gonna bless us. We got a bit more we wanna share with you. Um, the stories that I get to share with you from this place are important in our journey. And now we wanna just invite you to consider what God may have for you over these 40 days. I would love to be a part of a church where each and every one of us joined in a sacred and holy Lent. We fulfill what Isaiah 58 has for us. I believe Ecclesia will transform our hearts, our bodies, and will be a part of transforming the world. Ecclesia, God bless you and allow me a moment to pray for you. Lord God, I thank you that though many of us in our journey and our own spiritual disciplines have not excelled at fasting. We've often been good at what Bruegel paints on the other side of the portrait uh, of getting what we want. We're grateful that on the Lenten side, uh, there's the sense that everyone has enough they can eat. It's not that any of us will starve, it's just that we're gonna limit ourselves. It's also, as we see on that other side of the Bruegel painting, there are a lot of people uh, asking for help. 
seeking alms. And what we know is that during Lent, Christians have typically shared generously from what they have to those in need. God, help us to be those people. Transform us on the inside and the outside, just as you told the Pharisees. Don't just clean the outside of the cup so that you look good on the outside, but deal with what's on the inside. We thank you that Lent is an opportunity to do that. And we pray that you would do an amazing thing in our church and in churches across Colombia and Venezuela as we get to serve our brothers and sisters in need. We pray this prayer together and we pray it in your name. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. I'm not really sure how uh, the idea of Lent kind of lands with you. Um, maybe some of you are like me. I grew up in a Christian tradition that uh, didn't do the Christian calendar at all, um, especially things like Lent. Like for the churches that I grew up in, uh, the Christian calendar, things like Lent, those sorts of practices, like that's, that was stuff that like, the Catholics did or high church people did. We never did anything like that. And we always just assumed that by not being like them, um, we were more Christian than everybody else. It wasn't until I was in adulthood that I began to step into the Christian calendar. And, and what's happened is that through the centuries, um, wise women and men who walked well with God have discerned that there are certain themes that in our lives keep coming up over and over again. And if you could kind of build a rhythm of life around those th things that are very important to God and very important to people. And so we do things like Advent, where we celebrate the coming of Jesus into the world. And then there are these long stretches in the Christian calendar that we just call ordinary time. Because as you all know, most of life is just ordinary time. And when someone asks you what's going on in your life and you have nothing to tell them because it's just ordinary time, that's actually most of life. And then you have these seasons where you enter into not a season of feasting like you might do at the arrival of Jesus, but of fasting. Because there are things about fasting that we learn about who we are and who God is that we can only learn through fasting. And so Lynn is our opportunity, an invitation that our brothers and sisters throughout time have extended to us to see who we are, who God is, and what God is doing in the world. And one of the very first years that I took Lent seriously, there was a woman in our community, and she and her husband had done some really great things in their life, mostly around adoption. They had adopted several children from Russia, some with special needs. But as we were approaching Lent this one particular year, she discovered as she began to look at some of their finances that he had done some things that were really shady. And the first thing is that they couldn't really have afforded this adoption, that he had been moving money around because he worked in the financial sector and he knew how to do that and to kind of make things appear to be other than they actually were. But more than that, she discovered that for over a year at that point that he had been without a job and had never told her. And they were just kind of going on with life as if everything were fine. And it turns out that after her look into their own finances, that they were somewhere between $350,000 to $400,000 in debt, and he had never said anything about it. And she felt like I imagine you would feel if you were in the same situation, like heartbroken and lonely, and lied to, betrayed. But we were coming up on Lent. 
And people were talking about the spiritual practices that they were going to adopt during the season of Lent. And as she and I spoke about it one afternoon, she told me, I've decided that for Lent, I am giving up any thought of divorcing him. That just for these 40 days, that she just wasn't going to think about it. And you know what? She didn't divorce him. She didn't leave him. Not in those 40 days or the next 40 days. And as far as I know, forever up until now. Because she decided to give this time to God in a particular way. To give up something. And what I think is important about the season of Lent is that it's not simply about giving up something. So most of the time when people talk about Lent, they talk about what I'm going to give up for Lent, and that's a really popular notion around the Lenten season, and it's a true notion, but there's another part of it. You actually don't have to give up something. You can also add a spiritual practice, that there is something in your life, whether it's contemplative prayer, whether it's... um, daily Bible reading, whether it's something like Ignatian Examine, that you just say, for these 40 days, I'm going to add something new to my life. And what Lent is designed to do as we approach the season of Easter is to reveal to us all of our idols. Because if you're anything like me over the course of the last year, what you have done, probably not consciously, is that you have decided that there are other things in life that give you life. And for some of us, that's our income. For others, it's our appearance. It's our achievement or success. Maybe for you, it's a relationship or a person in a relationship. Maybe for you, it's that if you can just attain that one thing that always seems to be just outside of your grasp, then that thing will give you life. It'll mean that you matter, that you're important, that there is something about you that is eternal. And guess what happens? Every time throughout the history of humankind, when people have chased something, thinking that that idol, that thing would give them life, it never does. And you find yourself thinking, well, that new house is just a house. And that new car is just a car. And that promotion is just more responsibility. And it's a time to expose our idols. And there's this great scene in Isaiah 44 where the Lord is calling on his prophet to remind the people that they have fallen into idol worship. And the prophet says that there is no other rock like God. I don't know a single one. And even though we know that there's no other rock like God, that has never stopped us from acting like there was or trying to pursue one. He says, but whoever does make an idol is not improved or enriched On the contrary, their passing fancies contribute nothing 
of value or purpose. Like how long do you have to live before you pursue a couple of things and actually attain them and realize that they actually provided you no value or purpose? Those who look on such misplaced attention don't understand what they're seeing and the idol makers will end up embarrassed at best. It's easy to say, what pathetic idiocy who would do such a thing, make gods that are, by definition, worthless? Well, we would. The people who worship them will be shamed and humiliated. After all, people made those gods. Everyone you've ever met has a vision of what is the good life. It's what we wake up striving for. You have an idea, I have an idea of what the good life is. And Lent forces us to ask, where did we get the idea that the good life is the good life? Who told us that? So let's put these images, these figurines all together, stand them up. They will tremble with terror and be ashamed. So this is the witness of Scripture. That everything that we have hoped would bring us life, in the end, we discover that it doesn't. And the only way for you to observe your life, to look inside your inner world and discover what you believe to give you life, what is an idol for you, is to live without that thing that you can't live without. In the history of the church, we have discovered that you can live without the thing that you can't live without but you won't know that you can live without it until you've lived without it. And so this is the invitation for Lent. That yes, you can add a new practice of joining in solidarity with our brothers and sisters at the Venezuelan Colombian border. Just take a few meals every week and eat simply rice, beans, chicken, my family, like we do every Saturday morning, made our shopping list for the week. Rochelle really likes to have that shopping list done by noon on Saturday so she can make her order at HEB and pick it up without charge on Sunday. <laughs> and as we're making this list, I tell her if it's rice and beans and chicken, I bet we don't have to change very much to eat rice, beans, and chicken three times a week. And for you, it might be the same. Like, it might not be a huge difference. Or maybe for you, you need to add another practice onto that, that your family will eat as a family at the table multiple times a week. Or maybe there are people in your workplace that God's been calling you to, and you should eat with them a few times over Lent. Maybe there is a parent that you feel guilty about not going to see and you need to eat with them. Or maybe there are some more overt things 
like consumerism, like pride and self-centeredness that you need to find a way of releasing over the next 40 days? And you've still got some time. This upcoming Wednesday, we have our Ash Wednesday services. It'll be at 6 o'clock here on this campus. If you work closer to downtown and want to join us for um, one of the gatherings at our downtown campuses, that's at noon and at 6. So if you can get away from work, you can join us downtown and begin your Lenten season. And it is a season where we join in solidarity with Jesus Christ, who has come to us, who has condescended to us so that we may live with him. And what I'd want you to know as we approach this Lenten season is that when you thumb through your Bible, when you see the ministry and the teachings of Jesus, that at the heart of so much that the people have God, of God have done is a meal. And at every meal that Jesus has in the Gospels, there is an extension of hospitality and grace. And when Christians say hospitality, we're not talking about hosting. Hospitality is radical openness to the other. And at every meal of Jesus, there is an extension of hospitality and grace. And so this Lenten season, the invitation for you is to have Jesus-type meals. And however that looks and makes sense for you. Because every week here at Ecclesia, we celebrate the Eucharist together. That Jesus Christ, on the night that he was betrayed, took bread and broke it, saying, this is my body which is broken for you. And then the same way, after the meal, poured the wine, saying, this is my blood of the new covenant, which is poured out for you. Whenever you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you would like more information, please visit our website at www.ecclesiahouston.org.